I'm just going to let the I'm just going to let the technology settle in just for a second here. And uh, I'm going to greet you, my dear friend George, in just a second. Let the uh, let the live stream delay just catch up to real time. Let's give it a minute. We can catch our breaths. Okay, sounds good, ready to go. Welcome everybody to a special, very special edition of the Wisdom Keeper podcast today on April 12th, 2022. I am joined live by my dear friend, George Lewis, who is coming to us from Costa Rica where he is offering his generous gifts to his clientele there, including astrology, sound bath, and spiritual guidance so we're fortunate to be able to sit with george for a little while here maybe 40 50 minutes to just uh, pick his brain on the astrology and i i'm very very pleased that he carved out the time for us george welcome how are you miles thank you so much for having me it's a great pleasure to be with you my friend and honor to share and to co-create with you today yeah, it is a lovely backstory between you and I. I've been an admirer of your work ever since I saw that one beautiful painting that you did of Bob Thurman, my of course my teacher. It was so it was so captivating and magnetizing that uh, I, I did find my way to your artist studio long before the pandemic. It must have been it must feel now like a, a, a life ago, lifetime ago, prior life. And you so graciously invited me into your painting studio to look at your work. And there we had a nice conversation about your adventures in Bhutan, if you recall. We went out and had a lovely Thai lunch together. And it's just so nice that we've stayed in contact. Of course, you were gracious enough to host the uh, benefit dinner that we did for the Contemplative Studies program. We were uh, able to raise $17,000 for the nuns of Rachin Nunnery in, in uh, the high Himalayas in the Sum Valley. So thank you once again, George, for all of your efforts and your work and your kindness. Uh, just for those that don't know George too well, I can say that he is quite, quite frankly, a polymath. He's a very astute, brilliant, humble, creative, uh, intuitive person with many talents. He is someone who has an extraordinary talent for uh, for creativity, artwork. His paintings have been exhibited all over the world. He is also a, an author of, I believe, two books, and I and I do believe they're both are they both children's books. Well, actually, I'm, I'm writing the second one, but the first, only one out so far. Children's book for adults. Yeah. Yeah. So wonderful with wonderful, wonderful archetypal themes and beautiful paintings to stir the imagination as parents read to their kids. And guess I guess the idea there is that we can we, we are all sort of uh, magnetized and can benefit from the universal archetypes and the heroic journey, which underlie much of your work. But in addition to being an extraordinary and accomplished painter who's exhibited all over the world. You are also a, a fantastic astrologer, very eloquent with your readings and someone whom I rely on with your uh, depth of psychology knowledge in, in the archetype. So I'm very pleased to bring you in today because today is an auspicious day. Some Someone of your caliber could really help us navigate the complexities 
of astrology within the larger landscape and particularly how it relates to psychology and then particularly how it relates to our lived experience right now. So well, let me ask you just a brief sort of question to start us off, uh, George. What's your, what's your backstory with astrology? How did you come to, in a way, come into intersect with astrology, your first maybe first experiences and the benefits it may have provided you or the challenges it may have provided you early on as you were getting acquainted with the astrological field? So it came to me kind of like a flash and like a sort of a flash in the pan, a thief in the night. Um, I knew this Indian mystic um, from the subcontinent and she had a dream and she contacted me about the dream the following morning, said, I have to introduce you to this man called Monty Taylor. And Monty Taylor was a, is a Jungian astrologer. And I think one of the last students of Dr. Emoto, the man who 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 who. Um, discovered or rediscovered that water carries consciousness. And he came into my art studio about eight years ago and literally started to teach me astrology. And I was very skeptical being very British. Uh, I, I, I always thought astrology was kind of fun, but kind of silly because I never looked like everyone else who thinks it's fun and silly. I never looked into it. And, and I just came to the very Western, um, dare I say, Cartesian approach to, no, no, this is nonsense. This isn't brain. This isn't mind. We can't do this because it's not in the brain. Uh, it, it's, it's operating at a different frequency. And of course, my frequency was quite low at that time in the sense of understanding a little bit more about cosmos. I was still very predictive within the, 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 the great Abrahamic traditions and obviously having an understanding of, 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 of the Eastern traditions from a linear perspective. And uh, this man taught me astrology and I literally Miles I kid you not I downloaded it from him in in two years and he turned to me and I was he was he was an older man he was in his late 70s 80s and he had a cane like Dali's and uh, he, he he turned to me one day and said George I really don't need to see you anymore I, I think you're done and I actually started to cry I, after two years I was very sad actually and he said I can't teach you anymore you know more than I do off you go now when I looked into my astrology what was so fascinating was Uranus had just gone into my ninth house let me quickly explain what that means Uranus the planet of innovation of sudden ha happenstance sudden new new events occurring um, lightning strike think of Uranus the, the Greek god you know suddenly ninth house the house of prophecy philosophy internationalism tr travel suddenly Uranus went into my ninth house how powerful Powerful was that, that that was the time that astrology came to me. And I think Uranus, Uranus has now been in Taurus for two and a half years. So that's about seven, seven, eight years ago now. It's, it's, it's uncanny that it's only been that long. It's sort, sort of a, a, an unbelievable magnetism and impression that it's made on you. I'm sure it, it seeps in and informs so much of your other creative work, because I remember quite clearly a fantastic painting that you had, a rendering of a, a woman in the sea was it part of your sea collection and yes. was that was that um the end of pisces I, I think I that see. was the thing. It was the end of Pisces. What she was doing, she was coming down. Her, her, she was sort of submerged in the water. She actually has wings, um, but you can't really see them. And 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 she's coming out of the water. Um, she's naked, but it's not. It's not. It's not obvious. And because she's natural, she's the archetype of the pure feminine. And she's sweeping away. You can see churches, mosques, temples, all the old religious and heavy doctrinal structures. And she's sweeping the way. It's called the end of Pisces because she's ushering in the water bearer. She's 
in a way, the archetype of Hebe, which is the Greek goddess, who is really one of the feminine archetypes of the, the, of the archetype of, of, of Aquarius, uh, the water bearer. You know, and so she's sweeping away the ancient, old, in a way, illusory world that we've all inhabited and now birthing a new world, which, is, of course, is why we're on this podcast now, that we're birthing something new. And it's very watery because that's why it's Neptune and Jupiter, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was a striking image. So well done, really uh, showcased your creativity and your, your, your acumen, your incredible skill and craft painting wise. But then there was so much depth of thought behind it and of course you know this creative process of sharing a message of sharing a vision i mean it really is to the artists who are in the vanguard of pushing forward culture to convey in a re in a, in a, in a to convey back or to mirror back to the populace just to be that one step ahead mm. and to really guide and and sort of put into our subconscious mm. really before it's a, we're able to fully digest it sort of a subliminal yep. sort of leading in it's really the the poets the people on the fringes doing creative work that often get you know sort of short shrift or really not as much credit as they as they as they should as they deserve i see you as one of these sort of pioneers and i see your creativity as your language or your medium and what it is that you're conveying in the medium is really is really a, about prophecy is about welcoming in the new but it's also what i do appreciate you and i about you george and what i what i share with you is that we're going with full eyes open here this is not as you might describe willy-nilly this is not new age this no. is not all love and light this is also about maturity and full integration inclusive of the shadow and so now we've set up just a few of the sort of sort of talking points for a broader discussion I'd, I'd like I'd like to just keep, you know, keep a flag in this idea or this principle of the 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 end of the Piscean and the beginning of the Aquarian, and also one on 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 integration, light with shadow. But I'd like to ask you um, if you could just take us through a little bit of a primer on astrology in in general. Mm -hmm. What kind of astrology do you teach? What are perhaps some of the other alternative perspectives within astrology? And as sort of how does it, the sort of mechanics, if you will, or, or the intuitions that are required, just sort of give an explanation of astrology in terms of how you, how you work. Yeah, I mean, I, I work really with archetypal astrology, but I do also do divinatory astrology too. So I do channel, you know, I, I have to be honest, I do both. And when I read someone's chart, I'm reading the symbols. But then as I'm interacting inter with the soul, I, 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 I get messages. Um, you know, to use another language, because people are really into it, um, I have a very open um, crown chakra in, 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 in human design. So I'm able to pull in, if you like, from the Akashic, from, from, from above and, and, and get senses. I get downloads as I look at the symbols. The symbols sort of embody, you know, the cosmos and psyche as above, so below, so within, so without. You know, I'm, when I'm interacting, I, I really, uh, I, I can read the symbols and I can see, okay, Jupiter means this in this house, all that, I've learned it. But then something comes in um, a little bit more personal and uh, I'm able to get closer to helping that person or the group in, 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 a conversation, in a conversation about where we're trying to go as far as towards the light, uh, away from the density of the third dimension, maybe towards something which is more Christed, more Christ-like or more Buddha conscious. I, I don't really get caught up in, 
in the language. I'm interested in the intention of where humanity really can go in this time of transformation. You see, for me, astrology is a language, but it's a tool. Um, and if people don't, some people don't need astrology because they can tap in in a bigger picture. Um, I know channelers, you know, who say, oh, I wish I knew more about astrology. It's not their sole contract. You see, for me, it's all about tipping in, dipping in to what is your sole contract. You know, we all are innately talented. And the, and, and the issue is we've, we've created a world of artificial separation from us and the cosmos. And that's really allowed for most people not in order not to be able to get into their creative juices, not to be able to really shine and their awe to come out. Every soul has a really divine purpose. And I feel my job as an astrologer, as a, as a healer, someone who's tapping into the mystical traditions, is to open up that potentiality for that soul. That's so beautiful. I'll just get, maybe I'll get a little more personal with you. When, you're, when you are in, in, a, in a position to be channeling, what's it like? Do you hear voices? Do you feel that you've been taken over? Do you feel mm -hmm. there's a, a creative landscape that you're seeing? Is it yeah. just, you know, talk a little bit more and maybe gives us an insider's yeah. perspective I, of what that, those moments are like for you. I never feel I've been taken over. It's beautiful in that sense. I feel very integral, but I will say this when I'm pulling information for that soul or, or, or couples, I do couples as well. Um, I, I don't always remember it afterwards. So if I see the chart later and then I meet with their aura again, then it may come back or may not, but otherwise it kind of comes in and then it's done. And I kind of like that because it allows for privacy. It allows for discretion. And, and I'm doing my job there and then in, in real time, I'm very, very present. And then the presence we've moved on. What's it like after a reading? I sometimes can be a little tired depending on how much. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I feel very invigorated, uh, especially after the last two years of the craziness, because I wasn't able to do that that much. And I'm better when I'm face to face. I, I prefer it um, because because I like to be in service. I'm here. We all human beings want to use our gifts. All of us want to be able to use our gifts to really to help serve and better ourselves in order to help community. You see, human beings really, Miles, and you and I know this, are way more empathic than egotistically selfish. The programming within the system has made us seem more like the latter because of those old hierarchical, I mean, I could go very deep in a sense of reptilian, let's just keep it to a metaphor for today. Um, those programmings are being dismantled. I mean, you know, in a very practical sense for our listeners, we're moving from globalization to devolution. We're moving from a pyramidical structure of top down to bottom up. We're moving from pyramid to circle. Think Knights of the Round Table. We all are pulling in our resources to create community. This is the new reality. I mean, to be honest, you don't even need to use the astrology to see it coming, but the astrology backs it up tooth and nail. Yeah, I'm, I've been much, much uh, intrigued and pulled in. I've always been a keen, uh, attracted to astrology. I remember having my first reading in, at, you know, must have been early high school, maybe 13, 14 or 15. And have used it all along, but I think it really took hold right before the uh, uh, Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the onset of the pandemic. I think it was Jan 12, 2020. Yes. And uh, I remember reading Maurice Fernandez, uh, an astrologer, very avid and keen astrologer, 
uh, he had a, written an article dated 2016 on the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and really was very, very close in his pr predictions and descriptions of what we were going to encounter. I remember coming into contact before the pandemic and circulating that at the Contemplative Studies program, really trying to reorient our, our school, essentially our spiritual school based on Tibetan Buddhism, really trying to orient us towards the stars because I have, in a way, lost faith yeah. with much of the mainstream media and, and, and the leadership. I, I, I now have just sort of basically turned to astrology and mythology and prophecy and people like you, Wisdom Keepers is the name of the podcast for this very purpose because you know, the, the the old leadership and the old guard is no longer reliable. The mainstream has been completely co-opted, whether it be right or left, doesn't really matter. It's all owned by the same sort of intentionality. And, 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 and so I think, you know, this is a very critical time to get clear. So let's just talk about astrology in general for a little bit, because I have some a very poignant question to put to you. And then we'll get into, you know, the discussion about uh, the, the today's conjunction, if you will. It's something that I ask every astrologer, and every astrologer has a different opinion, which in a sense showcases just how diverse astrology can be. And it doesn't seem to be that there's only one answer. But when we talk about uh, as above and so below, we talk about the planets and the cosmos having an effect on individual consciousness or individual psyche. I'm very curious to know exactly how the two meet, in what ways do you describe the intersection between cosmos and psyche? It seems to me that there are more sort of fundamental, practical, like bioenergetic gravitational pull type explanations. There's obviously the archetypal explanation. I'd love to hear from you how you synthesize and how you express that conundrum. Well, I'll give you an example. The moon in the last two and a half days has been in Leo directly opposite the two malefics, Mars and Saturn in Aquarius. People have really felt heavy and um, uh, anxious. And what's happening literally as we speak, the moon is moving now into Virgo, opposite Pisces to pull in now this new energy of Neptune, Jupiter. And if you think of the moon, it moves every two and a half days through a sign. That is going to have a big effect on our psyche. I can promise you there are more accidents on the roads when Mars, when, 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 when the sun is in Aries or when the moon is in Aries. Okay. Certainly when the moon is in Aries for those two and a half days, they te people tend to be driving faster. There's more, you have to think of the archetype of what rules Aries, Mars. There's, there, there's impatience that there can be warriorship. There could be, you know, it, it, it could be a drive for, 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 for justice. It could be very positive. Of course, all archetypes have their high and low vibration. But I think what's important is to see how the moon affects us. It isn't just the female cycle. It, it, when the moon is in a certain sign, it's going to take on some of those qualities, those archetypes. The ancients called it those gods were able to speak louder to us when the moon or planets were in those signs. And, uh, you know, today we talk in terms of archetypes. I'm, I'm OK talking in terms of both. Um, you know, I don't get caught up in the nomenclature. I don't get caught up in in language because if you can read my body and my intention that should tell you more than anything and my one of my gifts is to re remind people souls incarnate is to really tap into reading the intentionality of that soul because that's where you're going to get the juice that's where you're going to get the real interesting you know is it right is it wrong does it sit right or does it sit wrong so 
as far as um, the astrology, um, it, it's, it's, it's a way of just us tapping into the different feelings and, and the cosmos is the great universal. In some ways it's very Neptunian and the psyche is the microcosm of that. I mean, if you look at, our, I mean, the Chinese medicine understands this, you know, as above, so below, so within, so without, you know, on a molecular structure, on a molecular level, our molecules mm -hmm. represent the galaxy. So, you know, in, in some ways it's not rocket science. There's actually very little that needs to be said. Once you really understand that we are a mirror of the divine, the divine comes from the Sanskrit, DVR, which means to be self-alluted, self, imbued by by the cosmos the divine the divine really means we we have the godhead in us and the aquarian age at a high frequency is about us stepping into that individualized power in order to save the collective it is the support and the expression of the individual within a collective that is a spiritual non-material where the material is 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 basically in support of the spirit rather than the old-fashioned way where where the spirit was either negligent or or a minor quotient of the material a bit like gross national happiness i'm sorry gross national product gross national product or gross domestic product knows the cost of everything but the value of nothing we need to move more into uh, you know, the king of Bhutan, as you know, came up with that that idea in 1970 of gross uh, national happiness. I mean, it, 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 you could break it down. It's not the ideal term, but it gets the point across that we have to have different metrics and we are missing so much of the frequency by living within this material Cartesian um, way of understanding our world. And I look at it in the terms of the radio station. We've lived at a radio station frequency like that for, for eons. And now what's happening? We're expanding. So the light's getting bigger and the darkness is getting bigger. And this is where I say to my fellow spiritual seekers, we've got to understand the shadow work. We've got to be quite Jungian like this. The shadow exists. And in order to heal it, alchemize it, we have to recognize it. And, you know, and that, that's the whole nine yards, child trafficking, Satanism, you name it. It's there, it's real. Yeah, I mean, even uh, the Ukraine and Russia situation, as it arises right now, today in New York City, there was a shooting in the subway. Uh, let's go into both the light and the dark as it relates to the current conjunction today on the April 12th. And obviously, there's not just one pinpoint. This is like a sea change with a residue. It may be with us for the next few weeks. Hmm. What are we looking at in terms of this archetypal conjunction between uh Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces, what does it actually mean? Uh, what is its high vibration or high, let's say, potentiality for those that are conscious with eyes to see? And what else are we going to see from the shadow side or come to expect? So can I divide it because for the listeners? Into, can I discuss first, firstly the archetype of Jupiter and then the archetype of Neptune? So is that fair? Sure. That, yeah. Let's Love talk it. about Jupiter. I mean, the word Jove is Jupiter. We get the word jovial from Jupiter. Um, it, it, in some ways, enthusiasmos in Greek is to be possessed by the divine, is, is very Jupiterian. It is the energy of expansion, Miles. It's the energy of integration. And it, wh whatever Jupiter touches, it magnifies. So it expands something from within the psyche. You know, as um, I, I think uh, Jupiterian qualities are often the love of philosophy and the love of the higher mind, the desire to travel. It's also passionately about the love 
for freedom and independence. Yes, that has a Uranian quality, but Jupiter knows in order to learn philosophy, in order to travel, in order to, to become aware, one has to exist from a position of freedom. And Jupiter is known as the great benefic in astrology. Now I practice ancient astrology mainly. So whatever Jupiter touches, it, it's magnified. So it rules things like abundance. So wherever you have Jupiter in your chart, you'll tend to be quite blessed. But this is where it gets complicated. Jupiter is very good in some signs and not so good in others. It's the same for every planet. Even the sun and the moon, you know, are better in some signs than others. I'm not going to get into that today because we haven't got time, but I will tell you about Jupiter. Jupiter is at his best in Sagittarius and Pisces. To put it very crudely, in Sagittarius, it's the archetype of the priest. In Pisces, it's the archetype of the mystic. And when you have Jupiter in Pisces, which happens um, only once every 12 years, and obviously Jupiter conjunct Neptune in Pisces only once every 166 years, so the last time I think was 1856, you are dealing with very mystical tones. You've all got to understand Pisces is, is, is mysticism, it's artistry, it's musicality, it's music of the spheres, think Pythagoras. Let's even take Einstein. He was a Pisces sun. He had an Aquarius moon, but he was a Pisces sun. He... His two famous sayings for me are the magic of today is the science of tomorrow. And imagination is more important than knowledge. I'll say this one more time. The magic of today is the, sci is, is the science of tomorrow. And imagination is more important than knowledge. I mean, those are Einstein's words, okay? That's not a guru sitting on a mountaintop telling you that, you know? So there's an element of, come on, guys, we've got to wake up to, this is the Piscean, not the Piscean age, because the Piscean age, unfortunately, has been lived in largely the shadow side of Pisces, which is the illusion, the addiction, the separation. And I'm happy to get into that with you on another podcast. And obviously that's what I have been painting. But, um, and maybe, you know, in 26,000 years time, the next time we get round to uh, the Piscean age, uh, we will be operating at a much higher frequency. And I know that will be the case. This is all about spiral dynamics. But as we move into the Aquarius, you see, we're dealing with this Jupiterian conjunction with Neptune every 166 years, powerful stuff. It's almost like culminating, coming to the end of the Piscean age, giving us a boost into a, a higher level of consciousness. So Jupiter's faith, optimism, and the, and the high vibration is generosity, uh, author, reverence, philanthropy, radiance. But the low vibration would be things like fanaticism, extravagance, bigotry, indolence, right? And so Neptune is a little different. Neptune actually in the modern astrology rules uh, Pisces as well. Jupiter is the ancient ruler and Neptune is the modern ruler. I mean, it's very fascinating that we've got this conjunction today. And Neptune is associated now, and I'm going to slow myself down to embody the archetype of Neptune. Neptune is associated with transcendence, the idyllic, the imaginative. It rules all those things intangible and immaterial. It doesn't like finite. It doesn't do boundaries. Okay, it's very Jungian in the sense that it works with symbols and metaphors. It rules dreams. Okay, it, it likes to dissolve and merge that which is separate. It's the planet most associated with healing, although it doesn't rule medicine actually, um, because um, uh, the, the Caduceus owned by Mercury rules it, but that's another thing. At a low level of consciousness, though, Neptune has tendencies towards illusion, delusion, deception, separation fantasy escapism you see you can begin to see and you feel it in your bones i get goosebumps when i say this because you know where we are at as a species we sadly 
you know, there are the Beethovens. I could talk to you about music frequency in the, the 132 hertz as opposed to 144. I mean, you know, even the vibration of music in the last 40, 50 years has been deliberately distorted to stop us operating at that higher level of frequency. You know, when you listen to Beethoven or Mozart, something alchemical happens. He's tapping in to the music of the spheres. It's, it's to me, it's kind of Palladian. Uh, but that's another thing. So at the high level of consciousness, Neptune is the closest archetype in a way to the anima mundi, which is the world soul. You talk about the cosmos, cosmos and psyche. The anima mundi, the Latin word is, 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 is the world soul. And we're tapping into that. It's the domain of the gods. It represents universal love and it's associated with the mystical Christ and the compassionate Buddha. Even Shiva Shakti, you know, the union of Shiva Shakti or the, or the all-encompassing Tao. So Neptune's vibration is not of the earthly plane. It's something very etheric. It's something higher dimensional and it's in us all. And yes, we have to work with Saturn and we're not discussing Saturn today, which is grounded, but Saturn's out of control in his mania for control. I know that's an oxymoron. He's out of control in his desire for control. And I can let me also share this because Mars and Saturn have been making a conjunction for the last uh, few few months, very hard conjunction. And most of the planets in the last three years since the pandemic, two and a half, have been in Saturn ruled signs. You can't make this stuff up. Pandemic, plandemic, whatever you want to call it, this has been uh, Saturn putting his chains on humanity to enslave humanity, if you think about it symbolically, you know, we're not allowed to talk, okay, and, and we have to breathe in our own carbon dioxide, you know, this, and suddenly now, the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces is saying, uh-uh, it's now time to rise. I'm just taking that in. Yeah, today is uh, 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 an opportunity, a window or a portal. And what is it about individuals, whether they will cease the opportunity or succumb to the fear, succumb to that uh, restriction? What, what is it in, in, in your estimation that people actually each have to contend with? You sort of very eloquently painted the picture of the the landscape the territory the archetypal scene or theater if we were to ask people to just really take stock and to slow down and to consider their own minds they're at a crossroads themselves on the one hand they could be further prone to fear on the other hand they can have an opportunity to really rise awaken expand take a risk i would say would be one of the things i as I work with people, I'm always looking for the risk factor. Uh, the clients that I see right now, most of them are at a crossroad. I feel that some of them are currently being engulfed. They have this sense of uh, gasping for air, leaving me in the session quite breathless. And at the same time, there is this opportunity, whether they can see it or not, there's this opportunity that just on the other side of a very big decision is a wide open vista where there's, it's almost inconceivable, it is unrecognizable, but they have to pass through some sort of element of darkness, unknown, uncertain. Mm. And so most people, I think, by creatures of habit will just go for the security. This is sort of how I'm interpreting it 
from a psychological lens. I'm going to throw it back at you to to reply from an astrological lens. But most people, I think, out of creatures of habit, want to just stay put. They'd rather know the devil that they know than the one that they don't. And it's become so routinized after two and a half years of losing our mobility and losing our connectivity to just stay small and just mm-hmm. to stay and to stay and to stay with the familiar, even if the familiar is a, a force, a set of four walls closing in. And so I've been bringing people up to this precipice where they each have to be making a decision to let go of something and to venture into the dark night and to venture through the dark night into a vista of possibilities. And so what do you say about that sort of picture that I'm painting? And also, do you agree that it becomes it comes down to an individual choice? And how does choice fit in with the with the with the with the notion that the stars represent a kind of destiny? So as I've intimated, and I'll be a bit clearer, there are basically two conjunctions happening simultaneously in our sky at the moment. I mean, it is incredible. We can't make this stuff up. On the one hand, we've got the two malefics, Mars and Saturn, the heaviness, Mars putting fuel to Saturn's power. Don't forget, he's Kronos. He's, he says no before yes. He's about constriction, restriction. Yes, he's about boundaries, but we don't have good boundaries at the moment. This is a very negative Saturn on the one hand, that conjunction. On the other hand, we've got the two malefics. I'm sorry, the two benefics. We've got Venus and Jupiter now coming closer in Pisces together conjoining Neptune. That is a seriously big deal. We have basically two simultaneous realities occurring on this planet. One is benefic, 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 which is the choice of love, Christed like, going towards the higher level of consciousness. And then the other is an old paradigmatical sense of through fear, I need, in this case, the government or authority or daddy or mummy to do it all for me. It's in it. It's not even infantilized. It's 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 because children are much more free naturally. It's it's really um, a very a very lower vibrational understanding of what humanity is about. You see, most human beings, sadly, have never really understood freedom. Now we won't have time to get into where that stems from since the flood, the Great Flood, you know, and 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 and, and hybrids and stuff like that. We're not going to get into that side of things today. But from an astrological perspective, it is very clear we have two choices, and we do have free will on this planet. But it's very hard for a lot of people, and we must have compassion for those people. And in the cities, they are still the majority in the cities, in the big urban cities, because they're the most programmed. We have compassion for them because they have basically been fed a lie, an illusion, Neptune, a lower f- frequency in Neptune, as we all have, me included. I mean, I'm I'm the poster child for that, going to a top English boarding school and being fed a certain way to live a life and having no emotional intelligence, one's intuition being sh- shut out of you you know it's kind of a miracle that i sit here today with you sharing from this perspective i mean you know where i've got to has come through a lot of pain i mean i'm not going to go into it now we haven't got time but you know a year and a half ago i was married and i had relationship with my children and i only now see one of my children because the other one doesn't want to see me because i have this perspective you know i i am suffering like anyone else but the, the we, but we have free will and you know this is something we have to stand up for because this is about truth this is about believing in ourselves and humanity and these two conjunctions offer that choice you know the, the lower frequency of fear the higher frequency of of love but we have to alchemize the darkness we can't just ignore it we have to see it for what it is and and we do at some t- times have to investigate it but then we have to pull back meditate pray and do all those self-work uh, um, um, 
protocols in order for us to heal because it is a, it, it is a trauma planet and we've all lived in trauma we're all in this together and you and i and all our friends we're here to try and help people and help ourselves grow through this you know none of us are exempt from this i'm in this like anyone else and i think that's why i'm able to share some of these insights because i'm living through it yeah that that was a beautiful moment there i, I was i really i really um share your appreciation for the 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 need for integration of that other side uh we hit on on it at the top of the hour maybe it's good to bring it back here because it's not all love and light one can't just make an easy choice to jump into the expansion uh there is this idea of sitting with the discomfort and really looking nakedly and bravely courageously and honestly at the fear there's almost something very important to look at in the fear the thing that is compelling from the fear side also has a teaching there it, it needs to be reckoned with i mean there's something about the word revelation that we're in a time of revelation you mentioned this idea of the pedophilia and the 500 years of slavery and the fact that the banking cartels have ruled the planet the fact that the political system is rife with corruption and 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 hubris no matter which political end of the spectrum one lies it's corrosive and it's corroded and it's on, on its last leg and it's barreling down and it's buckling down and it's sort of uh, making its last stand if you will and 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 in that there's tremendous amount of fear and coercion and i think that there is something uh, not to not to deceive oneself in order to ascend and do your mantra and do your meditation and go on a lovely trip uh, to to you know go see you in costa rica or come with me to on pilgrimage to the high himalaya there is something about turning one's awareness around and looking right into the fear and having an honest you know inventory there and looking and seeing how it, that fear is mostly historical this is a time of reckoning like what is it about your what is it about your childhood what is it about your ancestry and what is it about a 2000 years of the past archetypal sign that we've been living in that we have to come to terms with in order to really move forward it's not about just jettisoning it it's a, as you say alchemizing it i would i would just use the word learning from it integrating it making peace with it or understanding whatever grievances that we've had whatever whatever abuses we've sustained either on a sociological level or on a on an interpersonal level or even an interpsychic level it's it's there to have taught us something that we need to reckon with and need to understand in order to go forward really with with liberty and with grace and so i really appreciate that and if you have any further comment on that before we sort of begin to wrap this up i think it's a really really important uh important teaching moment yeah i mean it's it's a it's a huge subject i think we all have our shadow work to do um and we have free will in order to, you see, here's the thing I'd say is we're experiencing this new energy. So we have to also do more spiritual work. We have to have a willingness to surrender, to go beyond our own belief systems. We've all been so programmed in our ego mind to think a certain way. And this new energy is emerging. And when we can move into it and sit with it and cry with it and actually feel it, don't take pills, don't distract yourself with scrolling through Instagram, but sit with it. And this profound 
um, metaphoric, metaphysical disorientation that has pervaded the collective human experience is being alchemized. And when we can feel it somatically in our body and do that work, we can witness it and see it. And if we do that on an individual basis, and then it becomes collective, what happens is the old system doesn't even need to be fought. It doesn't even need to be destroyed. It's actually alchemized because it's dissolved. And that's what's going to happen. You see, it's globalism has been this predominant economic system. And now we're moving into this new system. It's, it's devolution. But on a spiritual level, it requires us to tap into that feminine energy a bit more and aligning with these Piscean qualities and bringing it always back to Neptune and Jupiter today. It is, it, it is intuitive and uh, it's tapping into this uh, psychic phenomena. And these energies are coming down fast. I mean, I have friends who channel Raphael, uh, the, the archangel, and many things. And, 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 and we are going out. You see, we're, we're going from 3D consciousness into this higher vibe. And it's one of the reasons why they're so keen to get the children all injected, because the children have so many insights into, into this new world that we're trying to birth. You know, so we have to stay in presence. You know, so yes, we have to witness the darkness. And I, I'm, I do classes on this. I'm happy to educate people about you know, 1871, 1913, the sinking of the Titanic, the formation of the Federal Reserve. I mean, this is my wheelhouse, but I don't advertise it. Why? I will only ever teach people who are willing to do their work because I'm not wasting my time and I'm not wasting your time. You know, when we are able to say, okay, mea culpa, hands up, my belief system has kind of been very limited in terms of frequency. And this is me as well. I'm teaching what I need to learn too. I'm in this together. I'm not sitting here as mighty mystic on the hilltop. No, 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 no. But we, we get into the presence. We work spiritually to improve our frequency. This is part of the journey on planet Earth. But then we, we alchemize some of these lower tendencies of, of what's been happening to all sorts of people on this planet, but in particular children and, and, and the enslavement of the situation through, through, through greed and through usury, which is to do with um, debt. You know, it, it is, there's a lot of many aspects, but um, sticking to the Jupiter-Neptunian Jupiter conjunction today, it is really about tapping into that creative, spiritual, intuitive, psychic phenomena that is in us all. And when we do that and we sit with it and we cry and we feel, and we laugh we, and, 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 and we're drinking fresh water and eating organic food and putting good stuff into our body is not crap. We really can tune in, you know, no more fluoride tapping into the pineal gland, the third eye. I mean, there's so much, but you know, this is the life work and why we're here today now. Otherwise for me, it makes no sense, by the way. I mean, you know, I'm very transparent. This world for me is, I, I, I could very easily leave it. I really could. It, and, 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 and because of that, I'm able to share because um, I have all those attachments have been pulled away from me. Hmm. George, you mentioned something that you wanted to bookend uh, uh, April with the solar eclipse at the end of the month and it's drawn significance in with the current uh, conjunction. So the solar eclipse is very interesting. It's gonna be, obviously it's always on the nodal axis. It's in Taurus Scorpio. And these eclipses for the next year and a half are going to be on the Taurus uh, Scorpio axis. But here's what's interesting with the eclipse, because it com it's combining with the Neptune Venus um, Jupiter conjunction. And, and, and so we're, we're birthing this new world through these positive benefic archetypes. But the eclipse is going to really show us 
some of the darkness of the past and then reveal through the lunar eclipse and the solar eclipse, because they always happen two weeks apart, um, um, what the new earth is going to be like. So it's going to be uncomfortable, especially for those people who have um, who are not not on the journey, who are not awake, but also who have a lot of fixed energy in their chart, fixed meaning Aquarius, Leo, Scorpio or Taurus. But for those more mutable and more cardinal in astrological terms, it, it's still going to be challenging, of course, because this is a planetary upgrade. It's, we're all in on this together, honey bun. But um, it's, it's going to be less uh, problematic because um, it's just the where, where your natal chart sits. But um, the, 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 the solar and lunar eclipse are going to change a lot of things to do with Taurus and Scorpio uh, subject matter. So to do with food, um, how we live. You mentioned earlier we had the great conjunction in, in December, January 2019-2020 of um, Saturn Jupiter. They had been conjoining since 1700 in Earth-based science. Isn't that fascinating? From 1700 to 2020, all the conjunctions of Saturn and Jupiter were in Earth-based science. They've now moved into air science. What does that mean? It means we're moving out of a different value system. Earth is heaviness, it's structure, it's institutions, it's, it's global currency. It's all those things that we see as inert. Earth is the most inert of all the four elements. We're moving into air, the second most earth. Above, I mean, plasma, obviously, fire is the most uh, lightest. But we're moving into air, so it's communication, ideas, sharing collectively. And we're going to have smaller homes. We're going to be more mobile. You know, this is a really interesting time, but it's only interesting if we can step in to the possibilities of co-creation as opposed to the fear-based narrative, which is separation and, and, and control and death. Yeah, that's really powerful. One of the archetypes of the energies coming in, the word that I've really held on to, in order to really make sense of the sea change that we're under, this idea of decentralization and localization are the ones that I really hold on to. I've I've heard you say at least three times today the idea that we're heading out of globalization and into what I would call localization. So this idea of like shipping your raspberries or your blueberries from one continent to another and, and that sort of the, yeah, the apex, the, the, that's all that's all that's all coming to an end. It, it's not sustainable. We are at the furthest extent and it's it's never made any any sense. And actually, the future generations have had to now pay for that kind of lunacy. And so you talk about it in terms of smaller homes. I see it in terms of, uh, for example, each of these systems that we've been accustomed to, they're breaking down. But in, if we look carefully, there is an alternative just beginning to emerge. So the banking system being replaced by cryptocurrency is one that comes to mind, but also the big agra being replaced by permaculture and localization is another one that comes to mind. And just now with this, uh, and I know we're running out of time, but just now with the, the crisis in the Ukraine with Russia, this is another geopolitical move that has implications on food, supply chains, uh, renewable resources, energy. These are all representative of the last, yeah. the, the old guard. And, I mean, and I, we're, we're holding on to the last little bits of it. We're fighting over the last little bits of it. But at the very same time, if you're looking or you're orienting, you see that there's already cropping up new solutions that really represent the Aquarian age and what you're talking about in terms of the element, the air element. I mean, we were going to go much lighter, much more uh, wind power, solar power, whatever it might be as, a, as an alternative. And so this is the thing is right now when, the, when you're talking about the solar eclipse, I just want to plug that I'm going to be leading a Vajrasattva practice with my community on the Friday before the solar eclipse. And there, there is an opportunity to really do alchemical work around one's own delusions. 
Yes, definitely. And, and around one's own aggressions. Yeah. And around one's own desires. Because if we can't take responsibility for it at a local level, at a personal level, at a psychic level, then how can we ever imagine a world where collectively we'll have a different kind of outcome? So it really is reversing the tide and taking responsibility and accountability, first and foremost, in one's own mind, which is the seat of creativity. It's where the, bur the, wor the world is co-created from. So Friday, the day before the uh, solar eclipse, join me for a Vajrasattva ritual practice of purification practice, traditional Tibetan alchemical process. And I'd like to turn it over for you, George, if there's anything upcoming for you that you might be doing in your wheelhouse where people might join you for ceremony or activities in, the, in light of this kind of effort. Well, I, I want to say I'm always in service. I mean, I have a healing temple on the Upper East Side of New York, Manhattan, if people need to see me for sound therapy or astrology. And obviously, I have a wellness center in the Catskills, which I'm working out of as well. But I like to be a little bit more. Um, the dream for me is to free myself up, actually, and, and to be able to travel more and help people in different communities. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very open to, I'm staying very present at the moment as to where I'm going to go. I, I don't, I'm trying to be very air in that sense, less earth and, mm -hmm. and see, see where, where I'm taken so I can be in service because I do feel I'm going to be very busy. I mean, you mentioned cryptocurrency. I do personally feel that it's going to be gold, silver backed. It has mm -hmm. to be backed with something earth. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, air can't be grounded. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. I'd love to discuss with you um, what the new um, financial system is going to look like or feel like. But I wanted yeah. to last. Can I just share one thing which is so interesting from another fellow Englishman? Um, I always loved Charles Dickens. And, and he, he just said back then, and I feel it's so prescient now um, to describe where we are today. It's, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom and it was the age of foolishness. It was mm. the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light and it was the season of darkness. And it was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. So there's our choice, you see. Are we going to go for spring or winter? Are we going to choose the light? With, but, but not to ignore the darkness, to know that it's part of our reality. We live in a duality here on planet Earth, but we have to alchemize it. That's a wonderful note to end on. George, I know you have to rush off to do some more healing. I want to thank you for your time. I know this is just the beginning of a longer conversation, and I hope very soon I'll be able to uh, to have a, a, a session with you or at least a lunch yeah. up, on your, up on your land in the Catskills. Yes. Jupiter Rising. What a yes. wonderful, wonderful day. A wonderful name for, for, for a retreat. So thank you, George. Lovely to spend some time with you. We're just, just the beginning of a longer conversation. Until very soon, take good care. Love. Bye-bye. So thank you, everyone, who joined Past, Present, Future. That is the incredible, uh, brilliant, and eloquent uh, George Lewis, artist and astrologer. Uh, we'll be putting his information in the links below. I've been stimulated by his discussion. This idea of alchemy is uh, one that I have a true, true uh, resonance and alignment with. I've spent my, most of my career really spending time on both sides of the fence, both in the spiritual world and in the psychology world behind closed doors. It's not all love and light. There's a lot of trauma that has to be reckoned with both interpersonally and interpsychically, but also ancestrally. 
it is a it is a time for each of us i really do believe to clean up take accountability take responsibility for each of our own minds and so and that is the spiritual work and that is part of the spiritual path and i really feel that george made that uh, message very very clear and so on this uh conjunction day and in the residue or the wake of it in the in the next few weeks i hope each of you find your way back into alignment and not uh not not succumb to the fear uh also but also recognize what the fear is trying to teach us uh, basically it is a message of a vote of confidence uh, that we don't have to be children anymore and we don't have to outsource our power anymore and that whatever abuses we have sustained and perpetrated we can we can clean up and we can rise we can rise above we can make amends and uh, so this is i think a really important message on the fear side and just think, speaking with some of my clients today about the the uh, the impacts of the shooting in the subway and wherever it is on the planet or the ukrainian situation fear is and fragility are are ever present and if we do tip if we do make a in if we do slip into fear uh not to let it paralyze us but let us look and examine what is really being uh, suggested about our own capability about where we have outsourced authority about where we see possibility uh, and i think that is a, a very important lesson on the dark side of things there is reclamation and healing to do with our own childhoods and with our own ancestry so that we can reclaim some back some of that authority agency mobility and integrity and then on the light side i think this is again where i was in that moment with george in the conversation of really encouraging people you now stand at a precipice we now stand at a precipice of our civilization and individually many of the people that i'm working with individually they are at a crossroads whether there whether it be a relationship that's falling apart whether it be a work life that's falling apart whether it be a financial system and a sense of scarcity uh, that's uh, upending them or pulling the carpet out from underneath them and and what that does that that sense of collapse that sense of fragility makes us want to look for ground what what george was talking about looking for ground the the old sense of earth element to support us from underneath and what he was talking about is can we go mobile can we go very light-hearted can we have the word that's coming to me right now as i describe this process is faith trust go forward in trust we may not be able to articulate we may not be able to envision we may, may not be able to see where it is that the next foot lands but we know this every part of our being knows this we can no longer afford individually or collectively to stay where we are the sand castles at the shoreline have now become are now being waylaid and it, and we can we can we can we can stay there to its complete demise or we can go out into the waters and we can find new territory and new land and new opportunity and we can live more humbly and we can live more communally we can live more locally we can live more sustainably and we can live more spiritually and that is the upside not only the alchemical of the shadow but also the opportunity of the adventure forward into new territory into new light
with that, I'll leave you all my friends, past, present, and future. I hope you enjoyed this live edition of the Wisdom Keeper podcast with George Lewis. Until next time, hopefully, perhaps you'll join me for the Vajrasattva purification on the eve of the solar eclipse at the end of the month. You can find the links below if you'd like to join for that. Until soon, all best wishes.